This program is paid for by Jacob Media Partners. All opinions or statements expressed on this program are solely those of Jacob Media or its guests and do not reflect the views of WPHT or Odyssey. There are so many choices when it comes to selecting the right financial institution. Start with the Philadelphia Federal Credit Union. We're right here in your city. We're also the official credit union of Temple University, and anyone who lives, works, worships, and studies in Philadelphia can open an account. We're member-owned and offer all the services you're looking for, like mobile banking and free ATM withdrawals. Visit our website at pfcu.com. We're not here for our profit, here for yours. Federally insured by NCUA. Now on Talk Radio Anybody knows, and John Doherty is going to get into this because um, he was very close with Bob Heenan. Um, Bob Heenan, the operating engineer's business manager. It's a sad uh, week in labor. Uh, we we send our thoughts and prayers out uh, to the family, friends, and members of operating engineers local 542 for the loss of their longtime legendary business manager, uh, Bob Heenan, who passed away uh, yesterday after a long battle with cancer. He will be missed. One man who impacted so many. Uh, John Doherty, I throw it to you because I read your post on social media and it was extremely emotional, very impacting. Talk about it, John. Yeah, I, the, you know, I, uh, about it, when I got word that, you know, Bob had passed, I was like, what are you saying? And, you know, everybody's putting up, you know, rest in peace and, and, you know, a little bit tidbits. And I, that's just not the relationship I've had with these guys. I told you, you know, you, you, we had a uh, guy that's been over a year now probably when John Elliott passed and then Dick Sprague and guys like that who, from a different perspective, you know, influenced a lot of what I did and had an influence on a lot of our peers in the labor community. But when you lose, you know, people like your dad just recently who, as, as I told you, his impact will be forever felt because he's the last of the, the, the straight Democrat. He's the, the last of, you know, the guy who absolutely told you what was on his mind. Okay. And in some days, even before he was done thinking about it, mm-hmm. you know, he was just so good and square, your dad. That, and Bobby Heenan is another old timer. And, you know, I say it respectfully uh, because, you know, uh, I was a kid and now I'm 62. When I started out, Bob and myself, it was Bob's second tour. I put it in my post. And my post was just a whole lot of quick thoughts. Not a whole lot of time was put into it. It was basically, let me just type it. And, and uh, you know, I didn't realize it was so long until I read it. But, but it talks about, you know, Bob and myself, his second tour. He was business manager early on in his life. Then he came back later. And his second tour was 92, 93 with me. Um, we spent the next 28 years in office together. 
you know, basically 29 years. Um, we talked all the time, you know, and it was uh, most people didn't realize. Like, you have these relationships that people don't realize. And if you, if you look at the post, I talked about all the topics we go through. You know, he had a love for Bucks County, had a love for politics, had a love for his family. I mean, he's, you know, he was, uh, he had a smooth way about him. You know, he, you know, he goes way back to the McCullough days. But yet, I mentioned how, you know, you read what Ryan and Jimmy Snell and them guys put up, and you can tell that, you know, he made a major impact in their life. Uh, for me, you know, he's very supportive, you know, of everything I did. And, and even though in the beginning, you know, we had some crazy, uh, we had some crazy reasons I spent. I put two postings up that most people inside know and they understand what they meant. You know, I, I put one where I, you know, Bobby, was, we both won in July. I think he was being honored less than four weeks later. Uh, and he had, he was being honored by Unico, who we had a his, history of uh, doing business with prior. So they honored him right out of the box. He was their man of the year. It was over in Jersey. And uh, I would come walking in with Sealy, and I had a black eye, a bloody lip, glass in my hair, and a red tuxedo on. And you know, that's about as much of that story I'll tell you. And uh, a, a week later, two weeks later, uh, we had a, uh, a house cleaning meeting up in the Catskills with the building trades. And Bob and myself, basically, we had two separate rooms, but we shared a patio. It was like a suite-type setup. And, uh, and we had... We spent a weekend together. It was like, here's two guys that, you know, couldn't be opposite ends of the world, you know. And, and so we had two highly, you know, um, uh, humorous and uh, things that lasted for years. People still talk about, you know, some of the conversation Bob and myself had that day. So so we go we go that far all the way up to the future. And, you know, when, when I at the building trades, and the bull stewards are, you know, kind of perceived as like really nice appointments. And I had a big one up at Limerick and it was during COVID. It was highly sensitive and stewards. I need to be active, especially during COVID. I need them to be really active. And I said to Bob, I said, you know, he said, I got the right guy for you. He knows everything. He's going to be active. He's going to be standing on top of the contract or blah, 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 blah. So he basically made that. And then we fast forward to, you know, I had one appointment as a business agent, you know, uh, early on and it, so I, I went to Butchie Bennett, but Butchie Bennett was, I made the motion, you know, I appointed him, but Bob picked him. Bob had a relationship with Butch, you know, we, he had an interest into, you know, making sure that the operating engineers were diversified. They had some issues with that early on and, and Bob, and I mean, here he is, he's, you know, up in years, he's, he's a white guy who, uh, you know, really had an interest. And I, I talk about maybe in that, that piece, I talk about maybe 30, 40 topics that would resonate with anybody that reads it. And they would know that that's Bob and myself. And they fast forward all the way up to the appointment of uh, Butchie. And I also comment that I really got to know Bob. And you say in an hour or less, but, you know, it was right after Celia had her brain bleed. And it was devastating. She made it. We knew rehabilitation was going to be, you know, insane again. And, you know, it was, let me just say maybe six months to a year. I really hadn't left McGee. You know, I was sleeping in a hospital chair. So Bob had negotiations at the Sheridan. And they kind of hit a wall. So Bob called me up and said, hey, come on. Come on over. And he said, I need your help. And I was dealing with the GBCA, Mac, and Ben Connors and them guys. 
And he wanted, you know, but it was twofold. He just didn't want to get me over there to pick my brain or to have me help them push this contract through on holiday weekend. He wanted to get me out of the, the, of McGee's room. He wanted me to get outside and get a hamburger with him. He wanted me to, you know, and do things like that. And then we had a break there. So we, we had a nice conversation. And it was like he came unplugged. And I think he it really was, he had a nice relationship with Celia, always communicated how she was doing. And it goes way back to, you know, uh, a couple of the early places like that Yulico dinner my wife sat with his wife. And, you know, and he and he knew that. He, he knew what it was like to be, you know, 30 years old and travel with a group of, you know, significant players. And I say it all the time, Joe, and I say it, you know, uh, Krause, the, the, Skill sets I picked up by just keeping my mouth shut and being the coffee boy for, and I said it again in writing, Mr. Stater, Bob Heenan, Joe Doc, John Doc and the Cement Masons, Ed Corio, Ed Keenan, Pat Leading. Okay? I can go Marty Mattelone. I can go on and on and on. Tom Kelly. These guys were all in the room when I started. Mitch Glavin, okay, you know, Sam Glassmeyer. These were legendary names. These guys, they have the, all the unions are either named after them or they were international presidents. Jimmy Williams, okay, his son's now the international president. So you understand the magnitude of the people. And, and again, and, you know, but take a look. A lot of them have been retired for 20 years. Here, Bob Heenan, you know, he basically died in office. And I, put, I ended it with... The easiest way, as you know, I always oh, say yeah. the easiest way not to forget where you come from is to never leave. And the man never literally left 542. He never left it. It was a brand. When you saw him, you knew operating engineers. And because he went back in history, and because he, you would never know how old he was, I saw, I always joke with him. Him, my father-in-law, my father, you know, are guys that, you know, when they got near 80, you would have never known it. You know, they just, I mean, the calls as you can be. You know, my father, my father-in-law walks in today at quarter seven here. At, you know, so he wants to know what channel the terminal list was on. It's a new show. It's on Amazon Prime. And he's telling me, oh, I know how to get that. You know, I mean, these guys are just, you know, calling Bobby. Bobby was on top of his game. He was sharp at the end. Don't let anybody tell you otherwise. The conversations. Me and Tony Wigglesworth used to joke. We would put these project labor agreements together. You know, Bob, you know, we would have people in the middle of the conversation. Ten minutes after the meeting was over, where guys would not really agree, but more or less have an understanding, Bob would call and make sure he could get two extra pieces for his people. That's just that old school in him. That was just that, that the personality he had. And the one thing when we were sitting there, we were having this personal conversation. And we were talking about life. Okay, and the one thing you have to know with Bob is that he said to me he knew that he was liked. He was well-liked. He was humorous. He was funny. You know, he, had, he butted his heads with Gillespie, occasionally myself. But, but I mean, he was, he, he, in his industry, there's nobody had a bad word for him. That's why he could have he ran again this time or he would win. Okay, what he did understand is that he was coming to the end. And he told me more than once in this conversation that he knew what it was like, but he wanted to make a difference. I remember him saying that. I was like, wow, man, we're getting into a deep conversation now. 
And then he wanted to diversify, but he didn't want to lose any the ability to make sure families had an opportunity. Because he said if he had a grandfather and a father and they spent eight years between them in this business, if the kid wanted to go, he should have a spot. And I mean, he would say these things and he would let people know that. And in today's world, where the world's so politically correct, you know, it was nice just to have somebody to speak that when he did speak, people listened. And he was that guy. And, he, and, and, a good, and he's a good guy. Just a good, good guy. And, and uh, again, it's uh, they're serious losses. Them chairs don't get filled. You know, your father's chair don't get filled. Sam Staden's chair, it's Ryan is talented. Sam Jr. is amazing. But it, his chair don't get filled. Okay? Uh, Bobby's chair is not going to get filled. And, and John. And, and again, yeah. You and I said it. Um, we're going to be launching the, the Legends of Labor series and honors uh fairly soon and at the top of the list are everybody you just mentioned uh and uh you said it best on your post uh the best way to never forget where you came from is to never leave bob heenan never left local 542 in honor of bob heenan and i know joe kraus um you know, we, 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 we never do this, but if you take a couple seconds uh, of silence um, as we go into the break. Tonight's edition of The Labor Show is sponsored in part by IBEW Local 98 North, UFCW Local 1776, Sheet Metal Workers Local 19, and the International Union of Painters and Allied Trades, DC 21. This whole nonsense about not giving workers the right to organize with so-called right to work, that's bad. Something like that comes to my desk, I'll be to it, not just because I'm a Democrat, not just because I'm pro-labor, but because I know for a fact that's not very smart. And welcome back, everyone, to The Labor Show. This is the John Doherty Hour. We're live here on a Saturday night on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. In just a moment, we'll bring into the conversation Michael Delbane, CEO and president of Philadelphia's iconic Welcome America Festival. 732, Adam Gresick will be along. Adam is the director of visitor and community engagement uh, for the Valley Forge National Park. And then wrapping us up on this Saturday night, our good buddy and our good friend, Ed Mooney, International Vice President of the Communication Workers of America. Yeah, Joe, I mean, right now it's amazing that we're fortunate enough to get our next guest. I'm ecstatic to bring into the broadcast Michael Dubain, who is the president of Philadelphia's iconic Welcome America Festival. Michael, uh, thank you so much for joining us. Welcome to the broadcast. Michael Delbane? Yes. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. It's great to have you. Certainly, I know it's an incredibly busy time, so we feel really fortunate. We're going to get right into it. Uh, you know, obviously, this is this is your time of year. What's your days and nights like about this time of year, Michael? Well, at this time of year, it's pretty much around the clock. Uh, but we've been planning this year's festival since uh, the day after last year's festival ended. Uh, so, you know, our team comes together and, and plans and implements this all year long. And uh, this is the time of year that we wait for. I mean, this is what we work all year long for, to be able to bring our festival to the city of Philadelphia and its residents. So it's it's pure adrenaline at this point, but we're having a great time and we're loving it. And so how many visitors? 
Oh, so we'll bring about um, about a half a million folks will come through our festival. Uh, so this year's festival is uh, 16 days and over 60 events, 60 events and opportunities to engage with uh, the, 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 the programming that we're doing. And uh, it's 16 continuous days. And, uh, you know, we'll fan out across the city and we'll bring events um, large and small, both to iconic locations like the Benjamin Franklin Parkway and Independence Mall, but also right into neighborhoods and communities. Uh, and we see folks coming out uh, from Philadelphia, from across the region, from across the country and around the world. Uh, and so, yeah, throughout the festival, we'll, we'll, we'll see about a half a million people interact with our with our programming, which is just wonderful. And, and Michael, uh, talk about the, the economic impact mm-hmm. of the Welcome America, uh, you know, you know, campaign. It's it's a uh, and and a festival. It's just incredible. It's not only a great celebration and a, an incredibly diverse uh, celebration, but it has a great economic impact on the city. It, it absolutely does, and you know, it has economic impacts. You know, again, large and small. You know, when you when you look at the sixteen days of programming that we put together, um, wherever our programs go, um, you know, you'll see folks out in bars and restaurants. You'll see folks shopping. Um, as well as, you know, the, the jobs and the opportunity for work that we create. Um, you know, it takes hundreds and hundreds of people um, across a, a two-week festival to come together and really make it a success. And, you know, many of those folks are, are trained in, in specific things, but also many of them are just sort of casual folks that come and help out in different ways. And so, you know, it can be felt not only in hotels and restaurants and shopping and spending, but also you know, like I said, in the work that we create. And we also have a program uh, through our festival that creates opportunities for small businesses across the city to engage with our festival and have the opportunity to vend their business, their goods, their services completely free of charge. And so what we do is we open up a submission page on our website where folks who are interested in vending can, uh, you know, apply to have an opportunity to share their business uh, throughout our events. And we select dozens of those businesses to come out and engage with customers and and guests that come to our program. So again, you know, uh, economic impact, large and small and in great numbers, but also in in tiny little neighborhoods and communities. And I think that the cross-section of that economic impact is really important. John Doherty. Yeah, I basically know all the people that have had this job, Jeff and everyone, but this is my first opportunity talking with yourself. And again, I just want to, tell you congratulations it looks like you hit the, the ground running you have a uh, you know a great lineup you know um, hopefully this weather blows over so we don't get beat up too much tonight with that but uh you know i don't i was talking to the mayor this week a couple of different times and it is people are underestimating how much center city and the region has come back you know i mean there's people yeah. in all the restaurants and there's people all over the place and i saw today you know yesterday and today you know, there's a tremendous amount of people where you would expect them to be from 10th and market down to around second and market. The, the foot crowd was amazing today. And, and Michael, this, this campaign has to be a big part of, uh, you know, helping to bring back and, and, and make us whole in center city. And I can't think of a better celebration to do it. Well, yeah. And, you know, when we take that responsibility really seriously, I mean, for us to be able after a two year hiatus to bring our July 4th concert and fireworks back to the Benjamin Franklin Parkway 
it's just a real uh, testament to the the grit and resiliency of our city and its people. Um, you know, our parade is back this year after a two-year hiatus. Um, so many of the big programs that we are doing are back this year in full swing. And what we're seeing, uh, to your point, is people really coming out and enjoying themselves. I mean, we are having record numbers of attendance at our events. We had a uh, block party, uh, or you know, last weekend on the Avenue of the Arts on South Broad Street that saw over fifteen thousand people. Uh, Wawa Hoagie Day, the iconic Wawa Hoagie Day that brings folks down to collect free hoagies, and, and it gives Wawa and our festival an opportunity to thank our, our servicemen and women and our first responders and police officers and firefighters. We gave they gave away eighteen thousand hoagies. Um, and then donated another ten to fifteen thousand uh, more. So you know the numbers are really, really impressive, and I think it demonstrates that folks are ready to be back. They're ready to come together as neighbors and friends and in their communities, and and they're ready for life to return to normal. So if if Wawa Welcome America and our festival can play a small part in leading that charge, uh, then we're happy to do it because we're we're excited to have our city back. Michael Delbane joining us here tonight on the John Doherty Hour, the CEO, President of Philadelphia's iconic Welcome America Festival and by the longest shot, the busiest man in the city. (laughs) Michael, well done, sir. Thank you very much for jumping on tonight for a few minutes. I appreciate it. Well, it was my pleasure. It was so great to talk to you guys. Thanks for having me. All right, good stuff. Thank you, Michael. You must have a million people waiting for him right now. You know that? You can imagine all the... the Wait a second. I thought he was doing this by himself. I thought he was doing this by himself for crying out loud. Hey, I'll tell you what. They're all all outside waiting for orders, though. I will tell you that much. That's right. Well, thanks so much for joining us, Michael. Thank you again, guys. Happy July 4th. All right, right back to you. That's Michael Michael Delbane joining us here on the John Doherty Hour. We'll get to a commercial break. Uh, On the other side, Adam Greshek will join us back in a moment. This program is paid for by Jacob Media Partners. This edition of The Labor Show is sponsored in part by Sprinkler Fitters Local 692, Laborers District Council, Steam Fitters Local 420, and the International Union of Operating Engineers Local 542. And back here live on the John Doherty Hour here on a Saturday night. Again, great stuff and a great uh, quick, fast conversation with a guy who's moving all over the city uh, this weekend, Michael Delbane, J-Doc. We appreciate uh, him coming on. Adam Gresick's going to join us. Adam is the Director of Visitor and Community Engagement with the Valley Forge National Park. And, Adam, we say good evening to you, and we welcome you in to the John Doherty Hour here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHD. Good evening. Uh, Thank you, John, for having me on tonight. Well, it's our pleasure to have you on. uh, And and, and having said that, uh, you know, there's so much going on uh, around the Delaware Valley. And, of course, uh, you know, the park has so many patriotic events. If you would, let's start right off on that particular area. What's going on there this weekend? Okay, well, um, the uh for um for this weekend it's just sort of, it's a kind of a normal weekend at the park uh, for saturday and sunday uh we've got the visitor center we've got washington's headquarters we've got my rangers out in the field uh doing programming but on july 4th itself we're we're doing a little something extra we've got uh musket demonstrations uh, you know the manual of arms how the soldiers loaded and fired their weapons we're doing that at 11 at 11 10 110 and 310 over at the muhlenberg brigade huts uh, those are recreations of the uh, huts that the soldiers stayed in during the uh, winter encampment of 1777-78. So that's 
that's something to see uh, at our uh, visitor center. We've got a gentleman who uh, looked, who is uh, in the role of Ben Franklin, read the, the Declaration of Independence throughout the day. And if you haven't been to Valley Forge in a while, it's actually been a really exciting year for us. Uh, just as the soldiers emerged out of the encampment, better trained and more unified and everything, we've kind of been emerging out of the past two years, uh, getting ready for America's 250th uh, birthday coming up soon. But our visitor center was just renovated. We've got a beautiful new uh, museum exhibit in there. A brand new park film is in a newly renovated theater. So even if you've been to Valley Forge, you know, a few years ago, back 2019, 2018, or you went when you were a little kid, uh, come on back to the park because you'll definitely see some new great things there nowadays. And and, and, and the thing is, I mean, obviously, you know, it's a historic uh, landmark. We're so proud of it. But educate, if if you are, listeners on – on, on the national park's history and, and its vital role in, in, in America's fight for independence. Because right now, um, it, it's, it's now more than ever, it, you know, people have to be educated. It's not only a great place to be entertained, but it educates everybody when they go there. Yeah, and, and it's really, I mean, there's, a, there's some great lessons, I think, of, at Valley, like of what happened in the winter encampment that tie into our major themes and and even some of the how the park was created ties into it as well one the, the you know everybody is you know they've heard some version of the story about the winter it was cold it was miserable there was disease there was there was hunger but the transformations that happened to the u.s army there or you know to the continental army the soon-to-be u.s army were kind of amazing it's where you know one of the the, the big victory of of General George Washington was to actually get Congress to recognize the army as a national effort and get all of the 13 colonies to view this effort as a single group, you know, sort of push as opposed to Massachusetts is doing a little and Rhode Island's doing a little and Virginia's doing a little and Pennsylvania's doing a little. It was, they got unified as a group. We are the Continental Army. We are one unified force that's you know and we can supply each other we can work together and then they learned all the same drill there uh, as a, a prussian officer a german uh baron von steuben who comes in you know trains the american army that they can fight like the great powers of europe gives the men a, a you know confidence that they can step onto the field with the british with the hessians and go toe-to-toe with them and then probably the most important thing was that was also at Valley Forge that the that the, that George Washington the Continental Army learned of the alliance with France. Yeah, the King of France recognizes the American colonies as an independent nation. You know, gives access to the military power of France, which was a global empire at the time. Takes this little colonial spat with Great Britain, turns it into a global conflict. There's battles across the globe. You know, as France, England, and then Spain and other countries uh, join in on it. And it really, like, you see how these 13 colonies come together, you know, like, you know, you know, know, all the states together stand strong, whereas an individual state wouldn't have had a chance. We, we learned that we had got our confidence in ourselves. And then, you know, with the recognition from France, I think, you know, like those of us who grew up, like, and witness the end of the Cold War, even the end of World War II, and there's all these new nations. I mean, what's the first thing they seek is recognition, you know, and the, the, the best recognition out there nowadays is still the United States in a diplomatic sense, but we got that once. And we, in you know, that moment where, you know, it was, yeah, 
our revolutionary experiment will continue. This this idea we have will have a chance to endure. That all happens at Valley Forge, and those are I think you know that coming together and that still the value of like us of us as a country being able to give that recognition that another country deserves a chance to exist, that they have a, a say in their own future is really great. And then how the park was created was through citizen stewardship. I mean, you know, Valley Fleo, you know, after the army leaves, it goes back to being private property, but it wasn't until, oh, it was about a hundred years after the encampment. Uh, there was a, there was actually development encroaching on the, the house that Washington made his headquarters. in. it was a local woman, uh, Anna Morris Holstein, who uh, starts, fundraising to purchase the house uh it, the house gets purchased eventually the the land around the house becomes the first state park in pennsylvania and then uh the state of pennsylvania in 1976 the bicentennial uh, gifts valley forge to the nation and it becomes a national national park under the pen of president ford so i you know that that one citizen you know made the difference of she she said I'm going to save this park, and here we are. We have this beautiful place uh, today. <laughs> well, Adam Greship here joining us on the John Doherty Hour on a Saturday night here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Uh, incredible, sir, your understanding of the history um, and what it means. Um, and I encourage and urge everyone to somehow, some way before the year 2022 comes to a close, to visit the Valley Forge National Park. It really is a treasure that I wonder, I often wonder how many people, Adam, actually realize that. Quite a few, uh, I'd say. Uh, we over, over the pandemic, uh, I think we had one of our busiest visitation years, uh, oh, probably within the past decade or two, we got over 2 million visitors. Wow, that's so crazy. and and the 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 love of the local community for Valley Forge is is incredible. I mean, uh, uh, so many of the visitors that I speak to, and you know, one there are ones who come for the history. There are so many others who come because it's a place to jog, to hike, to sit out in the sun and just have a moment of peace. You know, so many of them talk about either moving to this area and discovering Valley Forge or growing up in this area. And Valley Forge was always like it was a constant. It's like, oh, we, hey, let's spend a great day outside. Well, where are we going to go? Oh, let's go to Valley Forge. And I think, as you know, as this area is growing, as we get more people coming in, coming in, coming around, they're discovering Valley Forge as well. It's 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 really cool to see. And and before we go, if you will, uh, contact information there if somebody wants to get tickets or um, you know or w- wants to get more involved with, with with the park because two million people, man, is unbelievable. I was going to ask that question: How many visitors do we get? Yeah. How do how do people get more involved? Oh well, uh, our, our our visitor center it's six one zero seven eight three one thousand. That's the main line into the park. Um, and I mean, getting involved in the park, I mean, there's, there's a number of ways you can do it. I mean, there's, there's volunteering. I mean, we have, uh, you can volunteer at the park, everything from being at the visitor center, greeting visitors. We've got, uh, a weed warriors corps that goes out and, uh, kind of pulls all the invasive plants, you know, out of the, out of the, uh, out of the natural areas. We even have a crayfish corps. There's invasive crayfish in some of our rivers. That was, uh, that was something I discovered when I, when I transferred up here. Um, but the, you know, there's classic volunteering like that. We've got a number of great park partners. You know, the uh, Valley Forge Park Alliance, uh, the uh, Valley Forge Tourism Convention Board, and the Valley Forge uh, 
uh, encampment store, you know, you can always become a member of one of those partner organizations. But even if that, you know, you know the, I always say be a good visitor. You know, when you're in the park, you know, make sure that you know, you're picking up your litter, keep, you know, following the park rules. If you see something, something that's broken, tell a ranger, you know, because it, all of us working together, we keep the park as beautiful as it is and as wonderful as it is. Uh, great stuff here on a Saturday night with Adam Greshik uh, joining us again from the Valley Forge National Park. Adam, thank you for taking time to come on the live show. Appreciate it, sir. Hey, everybody have a safe, happy fourth, and hopefully you get to enjoy it, one of the beautiful national parks in the area. Well done. A great spokesperson and a great um, uh, content, or I mean a great segment uh, with Adam Greshick. We'll get to a commercial break here on the John Doherty Hour. On the other side of the break, Ed Mooney, International VP of the Communication Workers of America joins us back in a moment. Tonight's edition of The Labor Show is sponsored in part by Iron Workers Local 401, Boilermakers Local 13, Plumbers Local 690, Roofers Local 30, and IBEW Local 98. Choose a Local 98 contractor. And back here live on a Saturday night on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Best way to wrap up the Saturday night on a holiday weekend. Uh, is to bring in Ed Mooney, the International VP of the Communication Workers of America. Uh, Ed Mooney, we love you, brother. Thanks for coming on uh, the John Doherty Hour, and thanks for being with us here live on a Saturday night. Thanks, Krause. Nice to be with you. Yeah, thank you, brother. Uh, Ed, welcome to the broadcast. We got lots to talk What's about. What's up, Doc? I'm, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pass it over to our friend John Doherty and let him take it from there, John. Yeah, it's one of the reasons why so many people listen to this show is you can go from, you know, having somebody like Michael who takes a break in Welcome America to jump on this show and give us an update about what's going on to an historian at Valley Forge Park, which, you know, since I've been up, you know, in my, uh, since Local 98, took, you know, expanded into the Collegeville area, always had a great relationship in that Valley Forge area with almost everybody in there. To have him talk, you know, he's a Cracker Jack historian on, you know, everything from George Washington to Ben Franklin. And then you can turn around and talk talk to Eddie Moody, who is as well-versed in our industry as anybody around. And besides Eddie and me and his family, we're all friends. You know, uh, there's not a charitable, philanthropic effort when he's home that he's not involved with. But people don't realize that Eddie still has been very helpful to a lot of people in our neighborhood that had drug and alcohol issues. I mean, the employee's assistance world, and he's still one of the top guys in that. He helps people everywhere, you know, and he never forgets where he came from. And that's how we started the show, and that's how we'll probably end it. I mean, he's a, you know, he's a second street kid. He's, I've watched him grow, you know, and I mean, he's, he's surpassed almost everybody here. He's a big shot in D.C. these days. But, uh, but his people, you know, another guy, when, when you see Eddie Moody, you know the CWA's in the house. And that's just, you know, I believe that is how you can make make uh, your your industry a brand is it starts with an individual and he brings everybody with him. And Eddie's done that. The CWA has everywhere you turn around, if Eddie's anywhere close, you know, the CWA is right behind him. Eddie Mooney, what do you think about that? Uh, I think that was a great segue, Doc, from a Cracker Jack historian or Cracker Jack labor leader. So I appreciate the kind words. Yeah. That's, that's what I'm talking about. Okay, and will you do me a favor? Can you give us the history yeah. of what really occurred at Fourth and Jackson, you know, in the 1776? I'd like to know. 
you know? Yeah. I'll tell you what you know? really occurred down 2nd Street. Most of the 4th Streeters migrated from 4th Street to 2nd Street to make 2nd Street better. So a lot of people forget about that, that you and I both came from 4th Street, actually, now when they talk about 2nd yeah. Street. So uh, That's what I'm t- it's all good. It's great to hear from you guys. I hope everybody's doing well this holiday weekend. We're doing good, man, we're, and we're ecstatic to have you on the program. What, what, what's going on with the CWA right now? So actually, we have a lot going on. We just recently reached an agreement with uh, AT&T for our mobility workers at AT&T Wireless. Um, that agreement's out there waiting to be ratified. And actually, just um, Thursday night and the Friday morning, we reached an agreement to extend Verizon's contract for three more years. Um, those details won't be released till this coming week, and the members will have to vote on that and ratify that, but... Um, there's a lot going on, you know, with the infrastructure bill. We have this broadband going on all across uh, the country, thanks to the current administration, the Biden administration passing the infrastructure bill, uh, which is putting, you know, hundreds of thousands of union members back to work across the country. And, um, you know, it's a good news story. Everybody who's seen in the pandemic that um, you guys have heard me say this prior to the pandemic on this show numerous times that, uh, you know, this the Internet stuff and all the access the broadband access was critical infrastructure that people needed. And then you've seen it during the pandemic, right? Now all of a sudden everybody's talking about uh, remote doctor's visits and people working from home and all this other stuff. So, you know, right now it's a good thing. Um, There's lots of work, lots of building going on um, all across this industry. And there's some good news happening where workers are starting to be rewarded um, for the work that they're doing. So it seems to be good news all around. Yeah, and, and, you know, you mentioned... um you know, with the pandemic, I mean, literally speaking, uh, the technology that you guys provide has changed the world. I mean, Zoom, Zoom meetings, uh, Zoom, literally TV shows, Zoom communications, uh, things that we could have never thought of before are now a part of everyday life in, in the legal right. field, in the legal field. You have Zoom depositions, Zoom court hearings. Uh, I mean, and, and, and you guys are right in the middle of that. What has that done to your industry? I'll give you an example. We just did those complete set of negotiations, the, the negotiation we did with Verizon to extend this contract. The contract didn't expire until next August. We got in there early, worked together, and we extended it till August of 2026. If it's ratified, we did those negotiations completely over Zoom. And John, you know, Johnny Doc knows that it's not only CWA in these negotiations, it's CWA, IBW in New Jersey. I work with local 827's president, Bob Spears, a great guy. And my counterpart in New York in District 1, Dennis Trainer, works with Miles Calvi from the IBW in New England. And we accomplished all those negotiations in that form. We didn't meet face-to-face one day to, to come to that agreement. So, um, you know, it's 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 changing the way we do things and it's critical that um, those things are out there and available for people so that they can continue to conduct the business they need to conduct in whatever fashion. There's still going to be needs where we have to do this face to face, but um, we trialed that as a test, you know, a test case. We've done it in other areas where, during the pandemic where it was absolutely necessary because you had no way to get together face to face, even though in this case we could have, and because it was an extension, it wasn't like there was an expiration with, um, you know, threatening of a strike or anything like that we were able to accomplish it in that fashion so and john our union community our 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 union community the same thing what you guys did during the pandemic especially taking advantage of a lot of the technology that we have um along the same lines 
Yeah, look, Eddie talks about the partnerships, and that was the good news of having the, the liberal we have in Philly. And I guess you heard earlier, Ed, you know, Bobby Heenan passed away, and, you know, Bob was a friend of all of ours, and, you know, he's, yeah. he's just, for anybody, I mean, basically, if you take a look at his service, he spent a better part of over 40 years of his life as the business manager, you know, or leading, you know, 542. And he literally died in office. Right. You know, I mean, they, I mean, he's still yeah. a manager. And, you know, so sad day there, but a good day if you knew it. And, uh, you know, and the operating engineers, they, they're pretty diverse. They were all over the place. You know, the IBW and the CWA in a lot of different yeah. areas, you know, you, you would transcend all these guys. And it's nice having somebody like you in Washington. You mentioned Miles Calvi and people I know, but other people don't know. I mean, he's from the, the Boston area. And you got to have these relationships. He's, you know, I mean, it, it, there's strength in numbers, and you've done a great job. And, I, and right now, you're probably the most significant player out of Philadelphia in that national, you know, area. We have young Jimmy Williams is now the head of, you know, the IUPT, you know, which is great. But, I mean, you, you've been inside the AFL-CIO boardrooms. Your, your opinion is, is highly respected. And I'm not just, you know, throwing attaboys at you because it's the 4th of July. We haven't talked to you in a while. I mean, there's there's very few things that go on nationally that you're, you're you don't have an up, you know, uh, some knowledge of an upbeat on. You know, I mean, you're you're you've been way ahead of the curve in your industry, and I mean, you, there's a lot of areas. That, let me put it this way: the IBW and CWA have been much stronger when we're not messing with each other. Okay, and you're yeah. the reason. I mean, you, you you stepped in, you know, and uh, you just said you did, you know, you thought t- that it was better to be on the same team and. You know, you continue to, to push it, and, and now you have a seamless relationship. People don't know. You know, we, we work in the same buildings. We do the same product, and you would never know. You know, you have some control clients, and, and we have some you know, private customers. And, I mean, it's just the, the meds and the edge wouldn't know who's who. Yep. No, and it's all, you know, this is what people don't realize. And, and one of the things we need to communicate better as labor organizations is the unity and the working relationships that we have together, right? So, um, and none of that happens without us being together and talking to each other. And it's like anything else. I'm, and I, I just want to say, express my sympathies. I did not know uh, that Mr. Heenan passed away. And he has been, he's been a giant in the labor movement in this area. In fact, my nephew Connor just started with the operating engineers about two or three weeks ago. So um, I'm sorry to hear that. And uh, I mean, I make sure that my nephew, you know, my son works with local 98 and my nephew who's now an operating engineer and, I couldn't be prouder as a kid who grew up in this city as a card-carrying union member to watch my nephews and my son and other um, people in this city carry on these traditions and get involved in the labor movement. Because as we've seen, this is the way that we get people to get a solid foothold in the middle class all throughout the city of Philadelphia and elsewhere, especially where we're having all these problems with the crime rates and other things. We have to get to these young guys and young women and show them that if you get a good get into a good career path, either in the building trades or any other unionized workplace in the city of Philadelphia, the waterfront is doing a great job. You know, it's a way you get into the middle class, and also you're going to keep yourself out of trouble, on the right track, make a good living, raise your family, and improve everything in the city. So, um, you know, the labor movement. That's why we always support you guys in this radio show because it's a way for us to communicate that this to the public at large week after week about the positive things that can happen in the city if we just get people going in the right direction so we appreciated that very much and of course we appreciate 
your time, obviously, on this holiday weekend, and your words, um, well, you know, well, well said. <laughs> so when uh, when when Frank Keel, Doc, I don't want to cut you off. Frank Keel no, called me the other day and asked me and asked me if I could be on tonight. I said, Yeah. I said, You guys are sitting around saying, Who can we get that has nothing to do? We know And so we said, I'll call Eddie Mooney. Call Eddie Mooney. He doesn't go anywhere. Like Johnny said, I'm actually home here working working with a, a lifelong friend of ours who is going through some issues that he mentioned I work with in the beginning of the program, you know, in the beginning of the segment. So, um, you know, it's good for us to always be here. And, um, John, you know, we learned a lot of the stuff from you about not forgetting where we come from, uh, that we don't leave. So if you don't leave where you come from, you'll never uh, forget it. So I appreciate well said, everything man. you're doing. I hope you're doing well. I hope your wife's doing well. And, Doc and uh, Krause, I hope, you know, all your families are doing well. Right back at you. We appreciate it, brother. Great stuff. Ed Mooney wrapping us up here on a Saturday night. The international VP of the CWA. Well done and a great way to wrap up the show here live. John Doherty, before we end, I got 35 seconds before we say goodbye. Yeah, happy 4th. If you're drinking Uber, be careful. Turn in next week. These, These shows are getting better and better, more diverse. And, again, keep the Heenan family in your prayers, please. Absolutely. That's going to do it for this edition of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause. The John Doherty Hour comes live on a Saturday night here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. As we say goodbye uh, to you on this Saturday night, we ask you to, or we hope rather, that you have a great Fourth of July weekend and you look at the flag before you close your eyes. See you next time, everybody. This program is paid for by Jacob Media Partners. All opinions or statements expressed on this program are solely those of Jacob Media or its guests and do not reflect the views of WPHT or Odyssey.